0: We're driving east from the San Francisco Bay Area to one of my favorite places. The terrain is just starting to look, oh, oh, oh here we are. Hi, welcome to Yosemite National Park. Is this your first time? In? This is one of my favorite places to visit. Living in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm lucky that California has nine national parks. Best of all, Yosemite National Park is only three and a half hours from my house, so it's close enough for me to go up and back in the same day if I want. Hi, I'm Terry Vanderheiden, and welcome to the Nature Photography Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk all about one of my personal favorites, Yosemite National Park. Yosemite was established in 1864 when Abraham Lincoln signed the Yosemite Grant to protect the park set in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. This is an incredibly popular national park that attracts some 4 million visitors each year. This was the first public land that was deemed protected by the federal government and it paved the way to Yellowstone becoming the first national park in 1872. While it was protected in 1864, It wasn't until 1903 that naturalist John Muir took then-president Theodore Roosevelt on a camping trip to Yosemite. This trip persuaded the president to bring Yosemite into the fold and brought it under the umbrella as a national park, finally becoming official when the National Park Service was formed in 1916. When you enter the park from the west, you have a couple of options. There's Highway 120, which is the most direct route from the San Francisco area, or you can take 140 from Merced or 41 up from Fresno. Today I took Highway 140 as I think it's a scenic drive and it's just a a bit easier. When you come into the park, you drive down into Yosemite Valley. This is essentially a loop road that will take you to the end of the valley and gradually turn you around and you head back to the beginning of the loop. For the first part of the loop, you're on the south side of the valley while the other side is the north side of the valley these roads are separated by meadows and trees and occasionally a few curious visitors my first recommendation is to take highway 41 up to glacier point and make your very first turn off into the tunnel view parking lot this gives you a spectacular view of the yosemite valley where everything is laid out in front of you as you stand on this popular overlook you'll have the awe-inspiring el capitan on the left El Cap is a granite rock formation that's about 3,000 feet tall. Its sure vertical walls make it a favorite place for rock climbers to scale each and every year. Near the center of your view, you'll have Half Dome in the distance. And then the valley is framed by the Bridal Veil Falls on the right. From this angle, you'll have the setting sun at your back, and sometimes storm clouds can boil in the sky in the background. And you can't go wrong getting a good overall shot of the valley right here this is also a great place to create a panoramic image to create a panoramic image put on a lens that's about 50 to 100 millimeters using one of today's digital cameras then set your camera up on a tripod making sure to set your camera on the vertical position set up your tripod legs to make a level platform for the camera to shoot from left to right Now overlapping each image by about a quarter of a frame, take the shots as you go from left to right. When you're shooting a panel, move quickly so that you can have the clouds in the sky don't move quite so much in between images to lessen some of the work that you may have to do in post-processing. As you move your camera across the horizon line, you'll end up with Bridal Veil Falls on the right side of the valley. Here, you may wanna be using an exposure that will blur the water that's coming off the falls. So consider that before you start on your, all your exposures to keep them the same. So if shooting Brawlville Falls is best shot at 1 eighth of a second, then make sure the rest of your images are all shot at 8th of a second so everything melds together real easy. When you come out of that parking lot Tunnel View, you'll have two choices of what you want to see next, depending on the time of year that you go to Yosemite. If you take a right, you can take that 45-minute drive up to Glacier Point and see some fantastic views and almost a close-up angle of Half Dome. Now, this road is only available in the summer and fall seasons as they close it for the first snow of the year. And it usually doesn't open till right around Memorial Day. Now, this location can elevate your photography here at sunset since the sun will light up the face of Half Dome as the sun sets. This can make for some spectacular photographic opportunities up there. Now, if you take a left out of the parking lot at Tunnel View, you can go back down the hill into the valley. As you drive slowly around, you'll have lots of options. First on the right will be the parking lot access to the hike up to Bridal Falls. This location has a fair amount of parking and a pretty easy hike with camera gear. So if you want to get up to the base of the falls. Now, Bridalvale Falls is a modest 620 foot plunge down these vertical granite walls. So normally these falls are following all year long with, of course, the largest capacity surging in the springtime. Here you can find lots of different angles to shoot the falls. There are many opportunities to shoot slow shutter speed shots to blur the water as long as you remember to bring your neutral density filters. As you leave the falls parking lot, you'll have only one option and that is to turn right, to remain on this one-way road traveling the south side of the valley. So now that you've shot in at least two locations by now, you hopefully have noticed something. Most everything you've shot is basically neutral colors, white waterfalls, gray granite, and dark contrasty shadows this is one of the reasons yosemite is one of the best places to photograph in black and white well it's not to say you can't create some beautiful color images here because you certainly can but this is a great place to try out your skills in photographing in black and white the light in the high sierras where yosemite valley resides comes with crystalline air and a very contrasty light where this may make your color images a bit harsh switching over to black and white You can make some phenomenal captures after all this national park was put on the map essentially by one man's black and white images none other than ansel adams after the break we'll talk more about ansel adams and the endless possibilities of black and white photography in yosemite national park as a professional photographer i use adobe lightroom just about every day I like it for organizing my images, and I try to do as much work in there as I can on those images before I take them into Photoshop. While Photoshop is a great program for editing your images, Lightroom is much faster. Like most photographers, I bring my selected images into the develop module and take care of the overall color and exposure. But the real workhorse I use is Lightroom's brush tool. In the brush tool, I can do just about anything I can do in the basic panel, but on a tip of a brush. If I want to tone down the highlights on a waterfall, I use the brush tool. If I want to enhance the eyes of one of my wildlife subjects, I use the brush tool. The biggest pain about this workflow is loading the brushes with the proper parameters each time. Luckily Lightroom has brush presets and I encourage you to use them yourselves. It does take time to build all the brushes you need for the kind of photography that you do. I concentrated on building brushes built just for wildlife and nature photography. Now I have all these brushes ready to go, and I'm offering these same brushes for you to use with your photography. For a limited time, I'm offering both my wildlife brushes and my black and white landscape brushes together for $19.99. They're regularly priced at $50. You can follow the links in the show notes or go to my website, imagelight.com. That's spelled imageligh dot Click on the digital products and order them right there. With every order, I'm also including exclusive access to video tutorials on how each and every brush works. So speed up your Lightroom workflow today by making your own preset brushes, or you can support this podcast by purchasing mine. Either way, you'll like how it helps with your creativity and the final results out of Lightroom. Ansel Adams started photographing Yosemite almost 100 years ago, and it was in 1927 that he captured the famous image Monolith the Face of Half Dome. This shot is a face of Half Dome in the snow with the moon up in the background. This image catapulted him and this new national park into the international spotlight. Today as photographers, we can retrace his steps in Yosemite and attempt to view some of his subjects in our own way we can use our modern equipment to create some spectacular black and white images. Ansel Adams created a system in which black and white photography was measured. It was called the zone system. Since Adams shot with a view camera, one image at a time, he was able to shoot an image with a certain exposure and then go back to the darkroom and process that image precisely how he wanted to, based on how he exposed it. And it's just for one sheet of film. The idea he worked with was this term, exposed for the shadows and developed for the highlights. This meant that when he was shooting, he made sure that his shadows would have detail. Then in the processing, he can make sure that the highlights would also have detail. His zone system divided each image into zones of gray. Using Roman numerals, he would define a gray tone for each numbered zone, zero through 10. There were nine zones that had detail and Zone 0 was absolute black, and Zone 10 was absolute white. While Ansel Adams worked to always have some detail in the shadows and some detail in the highlights, avoiding absolute black and absolute white, he didn't have the technology we have today. So let's use that to our advantage. Today, with modern digital photography, we can have a tremendous amount of latitude over our images. Specifically, we can shoot in HDR mode, or what's considered high dynamic range. If you don't know, HDR mode allows us to shoot the same image with varying degrees of exposure. and Then digitally, we're able to sandwich them all together and create one image with huge detail in the blacks and in the highlights, even in the contrasty light of Yosemite Valley. To do this type of shooting, set the camera on auto bracketing. Most cameras have this feature, and it allows you to shoot the same image with three different exposures. One right on your exposure, then one a couple of stops over exposure, and then one a couple of stops under exposure. When I'm shooting HDR, I usually use three exposures, but cameras are built today that can allow up to seven exposures in this auto bracket mode. Seven exposures appears to me to be a little bit overkill, but you can preset how many stops under and over that you want. I've mostly found that two stops over and two stops under works pretty well. With this setting, I just hold down the shutter and three shots fire off, changing the shutter speed on each one to compensate for the difference in exposure. It's best to use a tripod for this type of shooting since it will be easier to keep everything aligned. I also use a cable release and a remote shutter release to make sure that I'm not moving the camera during the three exposures. Since auto bracketing is gonna change your shutter speed for each image, make sure that if you're doing a slow shutter speed shot, that those are slow enough let's say your slowest shutter speed should be an eighth of a second then make sure that's on the on the higher end of your shutter speed so you can go a little bit slower all the way down to a second or whatever depending on what your exposures are going to be so just consider that before you set up your original set of bracketing now the processing is pretty easy inside of adobe lightroom just select the three images in the series right click and then use the menu to select HDR. The software will stack these images, align them, and create the best image that'll have a tremendous amount of dynamic range. Tons of latitude to slider up those shadows and latitude to bring the highlights down if you need to. All right, back to our tour of Yosemite Valley. As you leave Bridal Falls area, you're still on the south side of the valley. You'll come across meadows and other beautiful views. Off to the left, you should start to see some views of Yosemite Falls. Yosemite Falls is one of the tallest waterfalls in North America, and certainly the highest waterfall in the park. At more than 2,400 feet, it cascades down a sheer granite face. It's actually made up of three sections. The key to seeing Yosemite Falls in all its splendor is to go see it in late spring. That's when the snowmelt is churning and the waterfall is at full capacity. Come fall and into winter, the falls appear to be just a dribble as all the water at the top has all but drained out by then. Now if you're the hiking type, plan on an overnight hike up to the Yosemite Falls Trail to the top of Yosemite Falls. While it can take 6 to 10 hours to get up there, the trek including an overnight is the way to go. There is a camping area up there and not only do you not have to hike down in the dark you can wake up at dawn and get one of the most spectacular views of sunrise in the valley by looking over the top of yosemite falls if you decide to camp up there be sure to follow all the park rules of getting overnight passes and be prepared for some thirsty mosquitoes and some hungry black bears that just means to pre-spray your clothing with something like permethrin spray. This works pretty well at keeping the mosquitoes bothering somebody else. It's mandatory in Yosemite to keep your backcountry food in a bear proof canister. Those bears have figured out mostly how to get food that's hung in trees. So even if they do get hold of your canister, they can't open it. They just end up banging it around a bit and then they move on. Traveling along still on the south side of the valley floor, you'll get some good views of Half Dome, framed by the trees reflecting in the Merced River. Look for Sentinel Bridge. It's a very popular spot to photograph Half Dome from. At the very end where you're forced to take the turn to kind of head back on the looped road, here you can park and take a short hike up to Mirror Lake. Mirror Lake has decreased in size since the first time I visited Yosemite, but it's still worth the walk up there and make some images. It's in this area that you can park and hike the famous Mist Trail up to two popular waterfalls. The first fall that you'll come across is called Vernal Falls. It's about a three mile round trip hike. If you wanna extend your hike, you can do the rest of the way up to the seven mile round trip hike to Nevada Falls. Both of these falls are usually roaring in the springtime and summer, and they're great to photograph the mist trail is aptly named because the falls along the way will create a liquid layer over you and your equipment so be prepared to get wet refreshingly so in the summertime but this could get pretty cold in the spring if you have some cool weather if you're looking to photograph these waterfalls skip this hike anytime after august as a snow belt can be finished by then and the falls have tapered off to just about nothing As you make your turn at the end of the road, you'll be heading back to the west, and this time you'll be on the north side of the valley. On the right, you'll see signs for lodging, shopping center, and places to eat. Also in this area is the Ansel Adams Gallery. This is a great place to go to get inspired by some of his images. These images were shot in the 1930s to 1960s, and they still stand the test of time. So it's really worth checking out. Traveling west on the north side of the valley, keep a lookout for coyotes, mule deer, and black bears. These can all be seen out in the meadows on the left and along the tree line. This is also the area you're going to pass by that will be the base of Yosemite Falls if you want to hike up and see the lower falls or keep going up and see the rest of it. This road will end up right where you started, and then you can do the loop all over again. Now, what is the best season to visit Yosemite? Depending on your needs and what you want to see will depend on the season that you want to visit. Summer by far is the most popular time to go to Yosemite. And most of those four million visitors go between Memorial Day and Labor Day. It's popular because the air is warm, the nights are cool, and their waterfalls are booming. All the wildlife's out, and all the park services are running. If you don't mind people, this is a great time to go. Spring is also a good time to go. There's a lot less people, but if you catch it right, the waterfalls are going really super well, and getting a campsite or a wilderness pass is really attainable. Fall is also a great time to go. Just so you know, fall in California comes in at about late October and early November. The nights are cold, but the trees along the valley that do change color are vibrant yellow by then. Not much in the way of water flowing, but that can be a plus, because you can make your way down into the rivers and streams without the worry of being swept away by the current. There's also way less people visiting in the fall. The hidden gem in Yosemite Valley is wintertime. There are very few people in comparison to the all the more popular seasons. While there are fewer services, such as the frequent trams of the spring and summer, the valley could be covered in snow and that's a sight that has to be seen. Keep in mind that Yosemite National Park is best photographed at sunset, which means you don't have to get there at dawn to get some great images. The downside of that is that most of the key locations are best shot at sunset. So you may have to plan a few days in the valley to get everything that you want. So go check out this fantastic national park in California, and you won't be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and sharing this podcast with your photographer and nature-loving friends. Until next time, this is Terry Vanderheiden with the Nature Photography Podcast.